Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Another five listener questions. I never know how long it's going to go, but I am geared up to doing less than 15 minutes. And if you want more treatment of something, just let me know, Dr. James Beckett at gmail.com. Happy to go deeper on some of these things. Some of them are only worth a minute or two, and some of them probably worth a whole episode, but I'll let you determine that and give me feedback. So thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. So, first question from Ben Bram, been on the show as well as gives me some great feedback. I got a bunch of feedback from episode 888, which was Kyrie Irving, the most hated NBA player, question mark. I don't think he is. I think he's the most curious. He's been a great player, even for the Dallas Mavericks. They were not successful. I'm not sure the chemistry is great, but Kyrie individually is a great player who's in the right place at the right time. He got rebounds against big guys money rebounds in the fourth quarter. He's definitely a fourth quarter clutch player, but he's not the most hated NBA player. So Ben's asking, commenting that teams in every league, I think, support players. They're going to help them win. But if a player has a problem that is not going to be front page news and get the team in trouble, that's going to hurt attendance or merchandise or get bad PR, they might get rid of that guy. But if they're helping them win, if they're a good player, they're going to do that. It's probably always been the case, although I think lately there's been more sensitivity to the negativity of certain kinds of statements or positions that people have or things they've done. Should be innocent until proven guilty, but not always. So anyway, he collects postcards and autographed postcards, and he was thinking about getting a Tom Yaki postcard that was autographed. And it was 400 bucks, and Ben's a serious collector, but he says, do I really want to pay $400 for the last donor to integrate Major League Baseball. Uh, don't know that I want to do that. Are you collecting the statistics or the person? It's one thing with players, another thing with owners. He's a historical guy. He's not all bad and not all good, but yes, he factually was the last one probably to reluctantly add an African-American player. I think it was Pumpsy Green. It was way after Jackie Robinson. But this is not a new thing. Ty Cobb, it's pretty established that he was quite racist. But was he more racist than the average American of his day? And the answer is probably yes. But he probably was not more racist than the people he grew up with. So his early life in the Deep South in Georgia, that was what kind of everybody thought. And again, it was wrong, but historically that's what was going on. So I just don't see people saying, I'm not going to collect Ty Cobb, arguably one of the players of all time, even though, yes, he was definitely racist. Next question from Frank Costella, my golfing buddy. He says he owned a golf course on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and he would run across 4849 Leaf cards on occasion but he also was in the Detroit area. He didn't see him there, but he saw him up there. And uh, But he saw the high numbers up there. So he said that's an area where Leaf did some distribution, apparently. The non-short printed ones were in Detroit, and the short prints, the tougher ones. That just points out, Frank, which 
is great. <laughs> People were recognizing that, and he and I, back to the 70s, he's about my age, and so in the 70s, the whole thing was regionals, but it wasn't just the regionals of the hot dog cards and where they came, but it was also the regional distribution, especially of high numbers. When I was doing buying trips in the 70s, and a lot of the serious dealers were doing that, you would try to go to the areas that had the the potential for these later issue cards. The short prints of the leaf cards undoubtedly were issued secondarily after the initial 49 cards were distributed, then late in the year in 49. But I strategize buying trips according to where there might be a potential to get some really good cards. And in that case, that would be 52 tops high numbers. I also got these 49 leaf rare cards, and they weren't in the metropolitan areas. They were in the out and about. And so thanks for your comment, Frank. Got a comment from ML. This is from way back to episode 846 which was the seven listener questions. And I don't remember the questions, but he was looking at score. And I've made comments about score, pinnacle and playoff. And there's a whole um, generational pass along how those brands were acquired, adopted, picked up, changed names and all that stuff. But anyway, he says that in early 98, Jerry Meyer was named Beckett Media Sports Card Executive of the Year. Due to Pinnacle filing for bankruptcy less than a year later, it would be the only time Beckett would give out such an award. So that's <laughs> from the Wikipedia page about Pinnacle. And he said, I'd love to hear more about this. I'm sure there's more to the story. And I believe it is true. I'm not sure that's exactly the reason why we ended the award. But I, we had editorial stuff that we did, and we had empirical stuff that we did, and the price guide was always attempting to be as much empirical, but the editorial deciding which company or which executive, it's just an opinion thing, and I personally tried to stay out of that, and so I tried to let the editorial people do it, but you can see there's all kinds of ways to stub your toe when it's purely an opinion. Is it based on popularity? Hopefully not, and I don't think it was. Before Pinnacle went out of business, they were very aggressive. Were they too aggressive? Because they were bankrupt. But Jerry Meyer was a true CEO. He really thought big. He really tried to move the top line and dramatically increase sales. And for a while there, it looked like he had the Midas touch. But you get overextended, and then the aggressive sports card executive of the year is not looking so good when the company has more liabilities than assets. So... It's just the way of business. We didn't put any curse on him. There wasn't any Madden curse for us. But again, like I say, if it's more of an opinion, even if it's a group of people that get together and huddle up and have a focus group or an advisory group that recommend these things, it's still an opinion. And um, I delegated that. I was the publisher. I was the boss. But I needed to let the editor people do the stuff they did. Question from TM from fall. He said, why is nobody interested in constructing complete and accurate digital archives depicting every known baseball card associated with a team or a city? They're interested in using it. <laughs> the operative word is constructing, and the second operative word is complete. It's easy to know 
Texas Rangers haven't been around that much, but uh, Cleveland, Detroit, Cincinnati, teams that have been around for a hundred years, having a digital archive, the first 90% of the cards are easy. They're out there, they're available. It's that last 10% that are extremely hard to come up with. Again, 90% track on the Beckett OPG and in the marketplace and all the digital stuff that my whole company has. ComC has team designation, so you could look that. But that's the extant population of cards that are there. Tom, I think if you've really worked it, then my hat's off to you, but it's probably going to be a labor of love. And probably it's more likely to be done by somebody that's just doing it um, more completely, not just one team at a time, but doing them all. Once you get the set, if you have the images, that's what they're going to do. It's not just identifying the team, but it's having digital archives. That's why the Topps books and the similar books to that that were coffee table books were cool, because in one book you could add... uh, postage stamp size uh, pictures of cards and mainly just the front, but that was good. Thanks for your question, your comment, and I hope somebody does it, but it's not going to be me. I did some things like that, but just scanning a bunch of stuff is not trivial. And then lastly, from my buddy on Keating, that 70s card show, which is not around anymore, but he's come back with another new show, and he's talking about my Ray Guy episode where He just thinks, how bad is that to be a punter? It's the only position in sports that's indicative of failure. It's fourth down, and so you got to bring in the punter. But he comments on the fact that Ray Guy was rarely blocked. Rarely blocked. Three blocks in his career. when There were a lot of kicks being blocked back then. And again, I think Ray Guy, you just got to get rid of it, but... As for Ray Guy having the worst rookie card ever, (laughs) because he's a punter, you can't say that, John, because you're the Herb Washington fan. Talk about a pinch runner that never got up to bat. That's not indicative of failure, but it's a desperation move when Herb Washington sat on the bench the whole season waiting for his pinch running opportunities. And again, that's exciting, but otherwise he's not fielding, he's not hitting, he's just running. The other reason for the punts, they've changed the rules in the sense of, I think back when Ray Guy was kicking, I don't, I think they just had roughing kicker. Maybe they didn't have running into the kicker at that time, which would be five yards instead of 15 yards. And now the kick blocks are very situational. They'll either attempt to block it or they'll set up the return. At any rate, Ray Guy, again, almost exactly my age, and he's passed away. Again, I don't want to get too much into the necrology, but uh, anyway, thanks, John, for your comments, and thanks, everybody. I got behind on my listener questions, and so I'm trying to catch up here, And but that doesn't mean I don't want more. I'm not trying to run out. I just want to be a little more timely than I've been. I've been doing other episodes, and now that I'm three days a week instead of five days a week, it accumulates in a different way. Thanks, everybody. I'm still enjoying doing this podcast, and I love responding to your questions. If you want to hit me at a show, don't hit me, but if you want to ask me a question at a show, you can ask me, and I can either turn on my recorder right there and do something, or I can just jot it down. Or if it's something that's going to take a little more time, I'm happy to have people on if it's worth a whole 15 minutes. 
If you see me, say hi. I say hi to the people I know, but at this point, I don't know as many people, I guess, as know me. So even when I try to be a little incognito, I still probably stay in one place too long. So not elusive. I'm just enjoying the industry in a fresh way for me now. So thanks, everybody. I'll be back again in a couple of days with another episode. And keep enjoying the hobby the way you want a hobby. Bye-bye. The man in the house of cards. The man in the house of cards.